Welcome to Imperfect Momming. Our children are constantly looking to us for examples. The term role model doesn't quite cut it here. We are shaping their worldview with every move we make. You see, it's not in the lectures we give or moments where we are actively attempting to teach them. It's in the micro movements we make, the unconscious ways in which we navigate life. We are constantly teaching our children how to show up for themselves, their friends, their future partners, and even their future children. So what can we do to ensure we are raising thoughtful, compassionate, self-aware human beings? We have to become them ourselves. No one is perfect, but we can still all be better, and it starts with self-healing. Let's get to it. Welcome back to Imperfect Momming, and we have a very special guest today, Nina Mandelson. Welcome to Imperfect Mommy. Oh, Alicia, I'm so happy to be here with you. So tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. So I am a body peace coach. And what I do actually is help women create a relationship with their body and their food that feels good, that feels like they're at peace instead of being at war with themselves. Um, and so my work is really getting into the relationship that women have with their body, the relationship they have with food, their relationship with they, that they have really fundamentally with their, how they show up physically in life. I, I really enjoy this topic um, because it's something, I don't know any women that haven't struggled yes that are, that are <laughs> right isn't that but alicia isn't that amazing right there that statement yeah i don't know anyone that hasn't struggled yeah. because some people will say well you know i imagine that people in small bodies don't struggle and i'm here to tell you after working with women for 30 years that's not true right that's absolutely not true and to have a whole culture of women that are struggling to feel good and at home and at peace in their own body is infuriating, aggravating, enraging. Uh, it's wrong. It's yeah. absolutely wrong. Because if we think about how much of our time gets spent on, oh, I shouldn't have eaten that. Oh, what am I gonna wear? Oh, I can't believe I gained. Oh my gosh, the scale said what, right? And what all of that does is literally put a leak in our tire, like bad analogy, but like if you're a car and you had a leak in the tire, so you just go slower and slower and you're like, what's the matter? Why, why, why are things not just like hustling along in this peppy way? It's because you have an energy leak, which is I feel bad about myself. I feel bad about my body. I feel bad that I'm not the shape that I was or the shape that I imagine I should be. Mm. Right, all of the shoulds and the shame and the ought tos, just literally, they're soul sucking. Yeah, uh, I knew that this would come up at some point during our episode, just because it's so relevant to our topic. But um, I was listening to a podcast um, yesterday or the day before. All my days blend together now. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
<laughs> time has no meaning anymore. It stopped having meaning in 2020. <laughs> it did. It did. It just sort of started to run together. Yeah. Um, and so I was listening to this podcast and she said, imagine how much more bandwidth you would have mm-hmm. if you stopped having yeah. those kind of thoughts about yourself. And yes. You know, I was, I was one of those people that thought that thin people didn't have body image issues. (laughs) Um, Even though when I was super young, I saw a woman who um, was anorexic and she Mm -hmm. was so thin. Um, And I would, I, I did not know her. I saw her running through our neighborhood. um, And I remember thinking you know, I, I had, this was my first experience with anorexia and mm-hmm. I was like, she's so thin. How could yeah. she not see that she's so thin? And I don't remember who I asked that question to. I would imagine it was my stepmom, but she said, um, you know, that it was, that that's a, a, a disorder. Like it's, you, it is absolutely literally disorder. Yeah. And you like, and it's a life threatening right eating disorder yeah right like I, I mean, people die of anorexia nervosa she yeah. was so thin that i i would imagine because i haven't i don't know when the last time i saw her was but i would imagine that she didn't move out of the neighborhood that she was mm. you know it didn't yeah. make i would imagine that she didn't i imagine she didn't make it um yeah but oh, yeah that so was sad the, that was the first time. And then I had a, um, the first time I talked to somebody, my nail lady was, you know, very thin, you know, woman. And, um, she, she said, you know, it's very annoying when people come to you and say, Mm -hmm. come up to you and say, Oh, you're so skinny. Eat something. She's like, I eat constantly. I don't gain weight. And I'm like, Oh, such problems right. to have but like to uh, even that is a judgment from me like it's like oh I wish I could eat right. what I want and look like you you know right but what we're what what you're unpacking Alicia is this idea that people think that they can comment on other women's bodies that women's bodies are objects right and it doesn't matter what size you are that somehow you are not good enough yeah right And then what happens for women, especially moms, is our bodies change. Mm -hmm. And then there's all the comparison of, oh, you should get your mommy body back. What? Your pre-mommy body, right? Like what? What? That whole idea of getting your body back. It's like, no, your body has changed. You have grown a human, right? And Mm -hmm. as such, you have changed and how do you now create a relationship a positive not a negative not a critical not a managing controlling abusive relationship with your body but how do you actually create a relationship with your body that feels kind caring supportive respectful responsive fun right trusting right that's what we want and every time we comment on somebody else's body we're tearing away at the fiber of them possibly having this good, positive, peaceful relationship with their own body. And I know it's not something that I, I, men do have similar 
not as much. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it's, it's not. They, they, they have their own thing. Yeah, yeah. No, um, it's not exclusive. And yet, you know, I know women, I've worked with women for 30 years. Like that's right. my wheelhouse. Yeah. So I'm not saying that men don't have their own issues and men aren't objectified in certain ways. Absolutely. Right. Our culture is terrible in terms of putting some standard of body up as this is our tiny definition of beauty, right? Yeah. It fits in this itsy bitsy little box. And if you don't fit in that itsy bitsy box, you're, you don't get the title of beautiful or acceptable or lovable or worthy, right? Whew, it's loaded. Yeah. And it, this is a timely conversation for us as well, because I, um, I had, uh, I'm a month and a half postpartum. I was a surrogate, so they're not mine. Um, but my, I've had given birth five times. And so I have a very mm -hmm. clear, I'm very clear on my pattern <laughs> mm -hmm. postpartum. Um, and you know, there's, there's something that doesn't get talked about a whole lot, um, which is when, when you are postpartum, that your body physically misses being pregnant. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't know that all women experience this, but I've had multiple conversations, um, once mm -hmm. I kind of recognized it and then I would mention it and mm -hmm. I've heard people say, oh my gosh, me too. How could, and it's like, nobody talks about this. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, there's the emotional eating that happens, um, that starts with, you know, you get a reward for, um, for being good. I'm going to give you a cupcake or mm -hmm. we're going to celebrate your birthday. Here's some cake that mm -hmm. makes me feel happy. And then our brain transfers that programming into, well, I don't feel good right now, so I'm going to eat something. So I'll feel good. And then yes. I'm not going to feel good because I ate something that I wasn't supposed to eat in order to feel good. And now I feel bad. And this is a huge cycle. It is, it is. In fact, I, I have a lot of feelings about emotional eating. And um, one of the things that I have done and um, is I'm just pulling it up right now is I've written um, a poem about emotional eating. Um, if you're interested in, in hearing that. Please share. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll tell you just to, to start, well, uh, is that one of the reasons that I started writing body peace poems was really the same reason that you said, you know, I've been talking to women and there's this feeling about wanting to be pregnant, right? There's this feeling of um, uh, that there's something unsaid, right? Um, there's this feeling like there's something that needs more conversation. And I felt like one of the things that we don't talk about is our relationship with our body. We talk about what should be and how we wish it was, but we don't talk about what really, really is going on. Um, and so this um, poem is uh, called a poem for anyone who's ever eaten their feelings. Hmm. 
So, because I would always hear about emotional eating. Oh, I'm bad. I shouldn't emotional eat. Right. Mm -hmm. So this is called a poem for anyone who's ever eaten their feelings. Mm -hmm. I like to eat my feelings. Say it, say it like it's a fact. No angst, no guilt, no shame. No, I shouldn't eat emotionally. It's not a question. It's not how do I stop myself from eating my feelings? It's not how do I stop reaching for the flavor that soothes? It's just the truth. I like to eat my feelings, full stop. Don't add, I shouldn't because then I'll eat too much. Then I'll eat the carbs, the brownies, the all you can eat buffet. Just feel this. I like to eat my feelings. I like to eat because it brings me comfort. It turns down the volume on intensity, on sad, mad, and alone. When I say I like to eat my feelings, I mean I'm hungry for comfort, for some sweetness, for a break. Embrace this. Notice the challenge of being in your body with your feelings. Acknowledge and appreciate how food can be self-care. I like to eat my feelings. When you say this, know that you're not alone. We all eat emotionally. We are emotional beings. We eat food and have feelings about our food. We have feelings about having eaten our food. When we own it, we're able to eat the food and the food no longer eats us. Huh. We're able to choose the food and the food doesn't choose us. We're able to feel our feelings and the feelings no longer consume us. When we own it, we make space to be in an authentic relationship with ourselves. Oh, that was so good. It gave me chills. Mm. I'm super impressed by poetry writers because I, and I've always been a writer. Mm -hmm. And when I was in high school, I took a creative writing course in one of the quarters we focused on poetry. And I was so mad <laughs> that we had to focus on poetry because I didn't like the feelings. My idea of poetry was diving into these feelings and I wanted to keep them hidden and keep them buried. Yeah. And I, and I did not like what could potentially come up. I was afraid of it. Yeah. Um, and I didn't, I didn't know any of that at the time. I just, it went to, I hate poetry. And that was, that. <laughs> but I've come to embrace poetry. I still don't write it, but I've come to embrace it. And I love the creativity um, the, of people that, Pour, of any anybody that's pouring out their creativity I love it so thank you for well, sharing you're very welcome and poetry does speak on that emotional heart level right I spent years writing blogs about you know what it means to have a relationship with your body what it means to really eat with freedom and not feel like you should or shouldn't and after a while honestly I just got tired of writing the articles and mm -hmm. I was having conversations with so many women that would inspire so many feelings in them and in me that I was like you know what this deserves a, a little more a, a little deeper conversation and that's what the poems are they they invite a different conversation and they hit us at a different place 
right? A place that's often like not from our head. Oh yeah, I know I shouldn't be critical, right? Versus, ouch, that's critical. Oh, ouch, I'm giving myself a hard time. That's on the feeling level. That's on the emotional body. That's, those are the, it's, those are the things that we really want to get into. What's going on under our neck, right? Below our head, when we're really diving into how do we make peace with our body? That's been a journey that I've been on, especially after during and after this last uh pregnancy um because i was carrying twins Mm -hmm. for the first time and i had a c-section for the first time and i have started to personify my body and give her gratitude for Mm. all that she's done for in Mm -hmm. for me and for the world yeah, Um, and what she continues to do and how and as she continues to heal um, and as I continue to learn how to treat her better um, it's it's been an an interesting journey and I don't think I've even said that out loud that that's what I've been doing but yeah um, thinking and just saying it out loud makes me think like I would never speak to any human the way that I have spoken to myself. Yeah. And it really did it. I, I, it has like, this is landing so hard right now. (laughs) You're experiencing my, my breakthrough right now. Um, It's what you're saying is so important alicia two things that you're saying one is the awareness of the kind of relationship you've had which the way i describe that is really an abusive relationship right i have clients who have unpacked similarly to what you're unpacking right in this instant who have said oh my gosh when i really listen to what i've said i would not let anybody treat me that way i have been in an abusive relationship most of my life with myself and then the other piece that you said which is part of the healing which is wow i am starting to have a conversation i'm starting to personify and i don't even think of it as personification of our body our body is a person It's part of us. And to actually start hearing her, calling her her and she, not it, right? To really be in that like, thank you. Oh my gosh, what you have been through. Wow. Carrying twins, having a C-section. Oh my gosh, dear body. Thank you for getting me through all that. And for being able to like, I don't know, sit and pee. Like it's a freaking miracle, right? It's just, we have to be in that very raw conversation with ourself to start to cultivate an authentic conversation with our body, not a raw, raw, come on, you can do 10 more sit up. That's not a conversation, right? That's just being bossy. That's what I call body management. right? We want compassion. We want caring. We want a conversation that's like the way we would be with a really, really dear friend. Yeah. Because this is the only body that we're ever going to get. And, you know, we, we genuinely 
generally rather don't think about our body until it starts to get older yeah and it stop starts to not do the things that it used to do I'm speaking to myself <laughs> mm-hmm. no absolutely right there's that yeah. sense of like wait a second it's my body just doesn't just bounce right back what's up with that or, you know, I used to be able to go on a diet and lose a ton of weight. And then what's up with that? That's not working anymore. Or, you know, I had an injury, right? All these things, which are ruptures in the relationship of our body, bring us close to, wait a second, this is important. Mm-hmm. This is, as I say, like you said, like this is, this is the one body you get. I often say this is the longest relationship Hmm. that you will ever have you are born in this body and you will die in this body so how do you want to play it do you want to be at war the rest of your life do you want to be worrying about calories and grams and carbs really really for the rest of your life do you want to always feel bad do you always want to hide in the back of the photo because you don't want yourself to be seen is that how you want to go if it is be my guest it's just no fun is my experience because that was me, right? And feeling free, feeling at peace, feeling at home in our own body, way more fun, way more empowering. We have more important things to do in this world than obsess about how many calories and grams and carbs we just ate, right? We We have people to raise, Right. We have a next generation to nurture. We have, you know, changes we need to make in our culture so that these people that we've bring brought into this world have somewhere decent to live. We have things to do. And if get being in the obsession of body and negativity and critical nature of your relationship with your body is getting in your way, that can change. Yeah. I, I, what I've been noticing, I would say this, this week in my body is that, um, everything hurts <laughs> and I've, I've done some, you know, 10 day challenges with, um, a friend of mine is part of a, a health and wellness company and, and they do a program called shred 10 where they, you know, for 10 days, you increase your fruits and vegetables and you decrease or eliminate for the 10 days, caffeine, um, gluten, sugar, uh, meat, (laughs) trying to, I never remember them all, um, for Mm -hmm. the 10 days. And when I did it and was actually like, actually did it, because I've done variations of it. (laughs) Sometimes not 10 days, sometimes not with meat, whatnot. Um, When I gave up, when I actually gave up coffee and caffeine, it's mostly just coffee. um, And then I started drinking coffee again. I noticed that my knees hurt Mm. when I brought the coffee back. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, well, I've been drinking a lot more coffee now that I'm postpartum. (laughs) I probably drink coffee more than anything else Mm -hmm. and everything's hurting. So I'm going to see what happens if I stop drinking coffee and see if that 
you know, there's all kinds of crazy mold that causes inflammation in the coffee that we drink. And so I'm giving that a try. I love coffee so much. <laughs> but well, I'm drinking tricky. hot water right now. <laughs> right. And it's tricky. There's different, right? There's a couple of issues that you brought up. One, a really important issue is how do we get to know our body and to know what works for it and what doesn't, right? right? And so sometimes being like, well, okay, I'm going to experiment. What, is it, what happens if I reduce coffee? What happens? But the other thing that you brought up, which is really interesting and that you might've seen my eyebrow raise is this idea of 10 days of restriction, because this is what happens when women restrict. And I imagine many, many women will relate to this. They've been on a diet. I'm not going to do this and I'm not going to do this. And then I'm not going to do this. And then it's over. And then I'm like, gosh, I get to do it all again. And what happens is the pendulum swings. Now the pendulum swinging in this, in the, into the space of big permissiveness is very common because we've been in a space of big restriction, right? It's an equal and natural opposite reaction. Now, what happens is you do that once, okay, fine, great, okay, I restricted and now I'm having this woohoo, I'm out of jail experience with food, but many women stay on that pendulum or roller coaster for their whole lives. Let me restrict. Okay, now, now I'm restrict. Okay, now I'm free. Okay, now I restrict. And that is actually harmful. The most common outcome of diets are is weight gain and disordered eating. So when we think, oh yes, I'm gonna do this detox cleanse, lifestyle plan, new diet, whatever it is, is like, really? Am I harming myself further? Or am I really, really supporting myself? Because the marketing can make it look like, look, this is the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. But what it does is actually perpetuate disordered eating and the lack of trust in our own body, our own ability to know if we're hungry or full, our own ability to know what foods work best for us and don't. Mm-hmm. Right. And the other alarming statistic is that 95 percent of people who go on diets gain their weight back, if not more, in two to five years, right? And of course, we all know those people who lost 100 pounds and kept kept it off, but we know more of those people who have lost 30 pounds, gained 50, lost 20 pounds, gained 40, right? We know those a lot more of those people because that is actually how dieting works. It doesn't. And our culture keeps selling it to us, like saying, here, here's this car. It's going to take you all the way, but it goes for two years and then it dies. And we're like, what's the matter with me that my car died? It's not you. It's the car. Yeah. Yep. I've done all of those, all of the things that you were just saying. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I have too. The reason I do this work, the reason I'm so passionate, as you can tell, I'm like, wow right the reason I am so passionate about it is because that was me right I struggled for years I went on every single diet until I was literally this is when I knew I was like this is going to change I was like I am so bored with the conversation in my own head about what I just ate who cares what I just ate really that's what I'm thinking about I have more important things to think about yeah There's a a great quote um, 
I'll see if I can find it real quick, by Naomi Wolf. Here it is. A culture, she, in the, she wrote a book called The Beauty Myth a long time ago, and it's called A Culture Fixated on Female Thinness is not an obsession about female beauty, but an obsession about female obedience. Mm. Dieting is the most potent political sedative in women's history. A quietly mad population is a tractable one, right? So she's saying because we're so obsessed with thinness, right? We're sort of in this miasma of, of like, oh my gosh, food, calories. And so then suddenly we have lost our power. And well, so reclaiming, sorry, go ahead. You can't think two thoughts at the same time. So <laughs> if you're obsessing over your body, what are you not doing in the world? Totally. So that's a brilliant question, Alicia. What, if you're obsessing about your body, what are you not doing? What are you not creating? What are you not giving the world that needs to be given? How are you not taking care of yourself? How are you not resting, right? When you're giving, and this gets into a really important factor about how the obsession of thinness of like, oh, I got to get that pre-baby body back how that obsession actually messes with our nervous system. And then we're wondering like, why am I so anxious? Why am I so worried? Why do I feel, right? Because when we're in that, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm the biggest person in the room. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I have to go there. And then what am I gonna wear? All those thoughts, what they do is they shift us into fight or flight, right? Mm -hmm. Into our sympathetic nervous system. And it's not just fight or flight. It's also freeze and flop and fawn. There's all these, re there's all these responses that happen when our nervous system is whoop, in sky. Oh my gosh, I'm being chased by a tiger, right? I'm in danger. All those negative thoughts, they move us into that nervous system activation. And what happens? Digestion gets lowered, immune system gets lowered, metabolism gets lowered, our mental health suffers, right? All because we're a culture of women who have been obsessed by what the perfect thin body looks like. And I really want to say, I like I, so clearly, it doesn't have to be that way. There is freedom, it exists. And it takes some doing to get there. Yeah. Take some personal development and some coaching. <laughs> it does. It does. Yeah. It does. Yeah. Because nobody, one of my clients said, when we were talking about like creating this relationship with her body that feels really good, she said, I feel like I missed this day at school. I was like, oh no, you didn't. We did not get it in school, just saying. It did not happen in school you ever. missed it because it didn't happen <laughs> yes you missed it because it just never happened totally yeah. yeah oh my goodness is there a piece of advice that you want to give with give to moms yes uh, well there's so many so right. one is watch your inner dialogue about your body yeah. watch it you don't have and it's not about oh my gosh now i'm going to judge myself for judging myself that's, that's not what I mean by watching. Not helpful. <laughs> that's not helpful, right? Like, let's just add criticism on top of criticism, right. which we do often. Like in the personal growth world, people are like giving themselves a hard time for like, I don't know, not being enlightened. Well, that's not, um, that's not the thing. 
what I, what I want to invite moms to do is watch when they're being harsh with themselves and start practicing that kind, compassionate, caring mom that they know they can be towards themselves. The same kind of tender voice, oh, honey, I'm sorry, you hurt yourself, to themselves. We want to start cultivating incredible tenderness, incredible compassion with ourselves. And, and it speaks to the work that you do, Alicia, and the work that I do, is don't travel this journey alone. We are not, like, I remember years ago when my kids were little and someone was like, can you talk about you know, women and balance, you know, moms getting balance in their life? I'm like, no, 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 that, that is a myth. Let's just talk about moms and support because that's where what we really need, right? Whether Alicia, it's like mom support coaching, whether it's, you know, body peace coaching, you need help. We yeah. all need help. And it's actually a great sign of strength and resilience to say, this is not a solo sport because really motherhood didn't used to be a solo sport. It only became a solo sport when we started living in cities far away from our families. So stop making it a solo sport and get the help, whatever it is that you need. I'm fairly certain that's going to be a quote on my Instagram later, <laughs> later on. Um, be, it's not a solo sport. It might be an Instagram post today. It'll for sure be an Instagram post uh, when I promote this episode. <laughs> that's so good. Um, and, you know, because that's that's new, like new meaning what we normally hear is it takes a village to raise a kid. Mm -hmm. And, but that is the, fo the focus is on the kid in that, in that. Yes. Phrase. Moms need support. Like that's mm -hmm. why I called myself that because the time in my life that I was, you know, the most depressed was when I felt like I didn't have support. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's so important. And I've had like 40 different thoughts while you were talking and, and they're all gone now, but <laughs> um, welcome to but, our brain. Right. <laughs> uh, but you know, don't mom alone. Like I, I would imagine you have a coach that you, that you work with. I have a coach that I work with. Mm -hmm. It's not like we can't, we can't do this. Oprah has like five. I heard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's important. It's yeah. very important to get help in the place that you're struggling, especially when the places that you're giving yourself a hard time, right? Yeah. Oh, you know, oh, I'm yelling at my kids too much. Then that's the place. And, and I feel bad about it. Then that's the place you get support. Oh, every time I get dressed, I feel terrible about myself. Then it's time to get support around body image, around wardrobe, around you know, oh my gosh, I cannot figure out how to feed myself. All I eat is leftovers. Then it's time to get some support around how do I feed myself without going on yet another ridiculous diet that's going to boomerang on me. Yeah. Right. So good. Is there a book that's been instrumental in your personal development journey? You know, it was years and years and years and years ago when I first picked up a book by Melody Beattie called Codependent No More. And on the first page, it had a list of feelings. 
And I looked at that list and I was like, those are feelings. Oh. And it was like feelings, you like, like feelings that all people feel. And I was like, really? Like, cause in my family of origin, no, no, no feelings, no feelings were not happening. Right. So how did I deal with my feelings? I ate my feelings, all of them. Right. The only feelings that you were allowed to have were like, I'm happy. And so here I was like reading this book and I was like, oh, you're allowed to have these feelings. So that book opened a whole Pandora's box of like, oh, I'm allowed to have this emotional depth. And these feelings actually all have wisdom and guidance for me in my life. And when I started to unpack that, then I was able to navigate food a little bit differently because I was using food to navigate all my feelings. Mm. That's, that's awesome. Uh, these are feelings. <laughs> right. Right. I remember looking at disappointment. I was like, disappointment's a feeling. I thought that was a personal failure. Right. I was like, you're not allowed to be disappointed. You did something wrong. You're not just allowed yeah. to feel disappointed. Yeah. You, you did something wrong. Yeah. Yeah. It was self-blame. I just uh, created an image last night that is on my uh, lock screen on my phone. So every time mm -hmm. I look at my phone, unless I unlock, just unlock it, um, it, it says, I am free. I am powerful. I am good. I am love. I have value. Oh, it unlocked. <laughs> uh, I have purpose. All is well. Mm. And I like that's that's my that's my new practice to remind myself of all mm. of those things. Beautiful. Where can our listeners find you? So you can find me at Nina Mandelson pretty much on all social, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, LinkedIn, all the places. And there's somewhere new that's really cool that is a great resource. There's sort of two great resources. One is I now have a new body piece app. Cool. So if you go to your app store or Google Play and search body dash piece, it'll show up. You'll probably recognize me on the, all the sort of gray and pinks. <laughs> and in it is a free class called the Body Peace Masterclass. And it really gets into the different relationships women have with their bodies. So I encourage people to go there and check that out. And if you're not an app kind of gal, go to my website, ninamanelson.com. And there is a journal. It's free. It's got five of my poems, but more important even than the poems are 20 questions that really give you a, a, a way to start having an internal inquiry about how is your relationship with your body? How is your relationship with food? What do you want there? And so I encourage people to go get the Practicing Body Peace Journal that's on my website or go to my body piece app and there there's the masterclass and there's the journal too over there. Um, yeah, that's where you can find me. Awesome. I love that. Thank you so much for being on, uh, on the podcast and sharing your poem mm. and for our beautiful conversation and for my Awareness that I will remember when I re-listen to this later on. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> like I, every time because I always re-listen to it to make sure that the sound quality is good and I yeah, yeah. record ahead of time you know several months so I'll forget that that I you know we had the what our conversation was about specifically but um it, it'll it'll be a good reminder and we'll see where I'm at in in May or June whenever <laughs> the drops. yeah fantastic yeah so there's going to be another episode of Imperfect Momming for you all next week. And until then, keep healing. Bye, guys. Thank you for tuning in to Imperfect Momming. It's time for us to step up and realize that our power is not in trying to shape our children. Our power lies in shaping ourselves into the people we want our children to model themselves after. Don't just do it for your kids. Do it for yourself. When you become a more self-aware, compassionate, and confident person, you and everyone around you benefit. For more information about me and my work, visit alishalyons.com. That's A-L-Y-S-I-A-L-Y-O-N-S.com. See you next time.